It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with my fellow financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Hey, it's been a good year to be an investor so far, anyway. Dude, knock on wood. Will it Come continue? On. That's the question. Okay. Today, we'll be helping you understand what's happening in the markets and why. And we'll also review what adjustments you need to make for the second half of 2017. Investments and investing returns always spark questions. So if you have questions, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. We want to answer your question right here on the air, get you some help with it. You can submit a question in three ways. Visit us at wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. And by the way, catch up on previous episodes right there on the left. If you've got a telephone thing, you can give us a call, 574-222-2000 or connect with us Facebook and Twitter. You can send messages or questions that way as well, at Wise Money Radio. All right. Well, as Josh said, market has treated us well in the first half of the year. The, the year's halfway over. <laughs> if you really want to get spooked out, school starts in about 30 days. We actually have Josh's kids watching us in the studio today. Guys, school starts really soon. Oh, contraire. They're gonna We're Michigan residents, <laughs> oh, right. my friend. That's yeah, right. In Michigan, they don't they don't start before Halloween. Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> that's right. They're going to start. So anyway, uh, so we're halfway through the year, and we're going to start seeing Christmas decorations up at the stores. But there is some good news, if you will, and that is if you're an investor, you've been, I would say, pleasantly surprised at how the year started. We've started with uh, a lot of question marks. We started 2017 with a lot of question marks. And so here we are through six months. It's been pretty good. So Josh, start with the um, what, the what has the stock market performed? How? Well, I mean, as always, when you're reviewing investment performance, it depends on what area of the investment world you're actually talking about. If you're a longtime listener of the Wise Money Show, you know that we're often thinking of a properly balanced portfolio as having a lot of different ingredients inside of it. And each one should be performing a little bit differently than others at times. And each one, you know, has different performance for the first first part of the year. The one that almost everybody judges their own investments against though, I think is the wrong one, but it's the one that's presented every night on the news, mm-hmm. the Dow Jones Industrial Average, yeah. right? They're at least calling it the Dow 30 now, which is a little confusing, but Yeah, anyway. but well, only confusing only because that's what it is, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so, more descriptive than ever, but yes. uh, it's confusing people. So the Dow tracking just 30 companies, I, I think I read somewhere along the line that most of the performance of the Dow Jones Industrial Average has come from just six stocks, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I saw that same it, article. It's, it's really just a small portion of a very small piece of the stock market that is actually driving all these results. But the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up a little less than 8% so far this year. Mm-hmm. The one that we track, if you want to pay attention to how the U.S. stock market is doing, we think in terms of the S&P 500, that's the 500 largest stocks in the in the country here, 
That's up 9.3% in just half a year. Yeah, that's, That would be a good year. That would be. That would be an above average year. Yep. Um, as far as most investors anyway. But small cap uh, or smaller size U.S. companies, those are only up 5%. The, the real hot spots have been outside the U.S. so far this year. Which is remarkable and yet refreshing as well since the last four years domestic investments have outperformed international. So if you've been disciplined like we have and, hey, stay diversified, then thankfully international is helping out this year. And just for the record, a year ago... I was in Orlando at a conference, and all of the really smart people were saying, there's no way I would be in international stocks right now. As a matter of fact, with all the issues that they're having in Europe and other places, probably it's a three to five year window before I would really allocate a portion of my portfolio to international stocks. And for sure, if I avoid international stocks, I'm definitely going to avoid emerging market stocks. Yeah, that's what they said. And and I remember us talking about that at our investment committee meetings here, and we said, no, we're disciplined. We're sticking to a disciplined, diversified approach, and it's been paying off this year. Well, emerging markets, that term might not mean a lot to every one of our listeners. So defining that as those up-and-coming countries, the, the countries around the globe that are, are more startups, you know, the China, India, Brazil, those types of countries, they can be a little bit more volatile, which when things are going in the right direction, we love volatility. Emerging markets are up almost 19% in the first half of the year. That's, That's great. astounding. Yep. yep. The, the real losers, though, uh, have been the safe stuff. Bond investments are, are really only up about 2.3% so far this year. Mm-hmm. That's half a year. That's still pretty decent and normal. It's just that when you compare it to the stock market, you feel like, man, I'm, I'm losing out here. That's right. And, and hopefully they are, I mean, they're, they're intended to be less risky. And so when risk is working, yeah, you'd expect your bonds to underperform. There's one other thing I'd point out that Josh just said, I don't want it to get missed, is that small capital stocks are only up about 5% for the year where large are up 9.3. Last year, the real winner was small caps. So if you were making today's investment decisions about what happened previously, then you would have loaded up on small caps at the beginning of this year, feeling very frustrated right now. We're going to talk in a little bit about what you should be doing with this news, but certainly avoid the temptation to jump into what's hot right now. So, all right, so that's the what. Let's shift into the why. Why has the market been behaving this way? What are the big themes that have driven the stock market so far this year? You know, in my opinion, long term, the number one determinant of how the stock market does is supposed to be corporate profits. Supposed to be. Right. Long term, yes. In, in, uh, in the short term, there's all kinds of factors that can be at play. But as you mentioned, so I've got my boys in the studio listening in today, and they're really into business. Uh, they're always trying to come up with businesses that they can run. They're they're nine and ten. Or I know. Th- they're young entrepreneurs, <laughs> baby. I love it. I, I love it too. But I was I've been trying to teach this concept of what in the world are investments, what are stocks, and it's such an abstract concept. It's hard for a kid to understand. It's hard enough for an adult to understand as well. But the the whole point here is that when you own stocks or you own mutual funds that own stocks, you are a you own a small little fraction of a business. And just like every business owner you've ever known, they care about the profits of the business. Yep. And the profits are what drive the value of the company. Yeah, because on the stock market, actually investors or mutual fund managers are buying 
they're paying uh, a multiple of what those profits are. So if those profits are going down, then that stock price would be going down. If the profits are going up, then that stock price would be would be going up. So really, in the long term, it all hinges on corporate profits. Well, but people are always trying to predict where are those corporate profits headed, and that's where they turn to other factors, things like, well, how are politics going to play into right. this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's been a major driver of the stock market here recently because everyone's anticipating government policies on things like taxes or regulations, spending and investment, infrastructure, that sort of thing. All of that could drive profits for corporate America here if some of these uh, Trump agenda items, for example, get pushed through oh, in, oh, the, in the coming months. We'll get to that. We'll get to what to expect for, for, the coming, for, the, for the next six months. But here's what I would list as some of why the market's done so well this year. I think the consumer's feeling pretty good Yep. for yes. the first time in a while. So consumer confidence is pretty high, but we've got low unemployment. I know the labor force is shrinking. So a lot of you listening are still under or maybe unemployed. But from a metric level, we've got low unemployment, low interest rates. So borrowing should be good. However, people's it doesn't appear as though people are exploiting that borrowing. Not yet, at least. You mean low like gas prices. Using it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Low gas prices. And we're starting to see higher wage growth or some growth to wages. I think consumers are feeling pretty good. Yeah, I, it, the things that I'm looking at are saying wage growth is still anemic. When you look at the, the jobs reports and the positive numbers that we're seeing there and some of the other things, you keep expecting wage growth. And certainly locally, mm-hmm. you look at the unemployment rate in Elkhart County and basically it's it's essentially zero. It's essentially zero. So if you want to work in Elkhart, you're working in Elkhart. I was just in northern Michigan, and the uh, fast food restaurants were saying, join our team for eleven twenty-five an hour. Mm. Um, and a number of the restaurants had that. So it's, it's interesting to take a look at. Well, that's all well and good. But the, the question is, what's the market going to be doing moving forward? That's what we're going to turn our attention next. What should you expect and what should you be doing about it? for the second half of the year. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. We've been talking so far, we've been giving an update on how the markets performed the first half of this year surprisingly well and what's been driving that. We're about to turn the tables to well, what's going to drive the market for the second half of the year and what should you be doing about it? If you have a question, we're going to get to some later in the program, submit it to us by giving us a call 574-222-2000 or going to wisemoneyradio.com. All right. So if you're just joining us, we've been discussing the stock market and we hit the the what, what has the stock market done this year? And we're just about done with the why. So what are some of the other whys? Why has the market performed what it has? And so when you look at that, there are diff- this has been a year of themes. So when you say, well, what have the themes been? And as we mentioned in the first segment, if you were listening to the really smart guys, I was in Orlando 
last year listening to one of the best economists that Fidelity has, saw him at another conference in Laguna Beach, California in September, saying essentially the same thing, hey, international stock investing is dead. And that's when you want to go and make sure that you've got the right exposure to international stocks. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah, when contrarian, the contrarian, right? So wait a second. That means our audience is going to listen to us and do the exact opposite. No, no, no. What they need to do, because really, if because here's the question: am, am I a principle-based investor, or do I invest based on my emotions? And if I'm if I'm a do-it-yourselfer, for the most part, I probably only can do it based on my emotions, because I'm I am more emotional about the money that I have stewardship responsibilities for than anyone else is. So that's why I have a financial advisor personally, and I need help as well. Because I'm tempted to listen to the Pied Piper and hop in line and follow him right into the river. Mm. So, because when you listen to these guys, they can make a compelling case for almost anything. And in a vacuum, a compelling case for anything, you would follow it. Mm. So when you look at the themes this year, there have been some interesting themes. If Last year, if you listened and said to get out of international stocks, I know some folks that don't work with us, but they said, okay, I'm going to get out of international stocks. Where should I go? I want to have yield in my portfolio, so I'm going into utilities or telecom. And if the S&P 500 is up 9.3% through June 30th of this year, telecom is down 7% and utilities are up 2.2%. So when I, hold, when I have a holding that's down 7% and a a dividend yield of approximately 5%, um, a little, we affectionately refer to that as a yield rally because mm-hmm. the percentage yield just went up because the value of my holdings went down. Well, the real winner th- thus far this year has been technology. Technology is up, what, what is it, it's 17, 18% or so through the halfway point of the year, a significant amount. The point here is, folks, if you're letting your emotions drive those decisions, then you're likely to be jumping, uh, avoiding what's done well, jumping on, um, or excuse me, avoiding what's done poorly, jumping on what's done well. And the truth is, no one could have guessed that technology was going to have a rip-roar in the first half of the year and utilities were going to do awful. No one could have guessed or could have known. So we're going to talk a little bit more about having a disciplined process in yeah, a bit. And just let me do a quick correction. I was looking at quarter-to-date numbers. So year-to-date numbers on t- telecom you're down 10.7%. Whoops, that's a little different than being at two. Utilities are a little more favorable. They're up 8.8%, but I I apologize. I was looking at quarter-to-date numbers. No, that's that's okay. So, okay, so that's what's happened. Those are some of the themes for the first half of the year. What do we think is going to be driving the stock market the second half of the year? I I think uh, we have to start the conversation with a focus on Washington, D.C., whether it's well, Congress or the White House or the Fed, they're all located yeah, there together. Fed up. That's fed right. Fed up. But the, the point <laughs> here, <laughs> investors are sitting back wondering, will a lot of these initiatives, a lot of these agenda items that the Trump administration has brought to the table, will they actually get pushed through? Because I, I think Wall Street inherently likes a lot of these. Things like spending money on infrastructure, tax reform, health care reform, those could all be beneficial to the economy if they get pushed through. And there's really no way of knowing, folks, 
how much of that's already baked into the stock market. So is there it, it baked into the stock market prices? Is there a belief that we will have tax reform and have some tax cuts coming to the middle class? I hope so. I think expecting it in 2017 is way too early. But to Josh's point, if that doesn't happen, that could really shake up the market. That's right. Because if it is baked into the price and Wall Street gets spooked that, oh, maybe tax reform's not going to happen. Yep. Maybe, um, you know, infrastructure spending isn't going to get pushed through on, on the Trump budget. Mm-hmm. If those things uh, stop uh, in their tracks, then the, the issue is maybe we've assumed a brighter future than is really coming and the stock market pricing needs to be adjusted downward. Yep. And the tricky thing is when you talk to folks that ask, is now the time to get back in the market? Or I have some cash from an event that happened and I'm wondering, should I invest it? And the answer to that is don't listen to what we just talked about. Don't think about Washington, D.C. Don't think about any of these other things because I can talk to you about folks that since 2012 said if President Obama gets reelected, things are going to end, so I want to be in cash. So they were in cash and missed out on on a pretty decent rally there. There were people that looked and said, hey, if Trump gets elected or if Clinton gets elected in 2016, there's going to be the world's going to come to an end there. Mm. So now I've stayed in cash. I know folks that are saying, hey, I'm looking at the market. It's at an all-time high. Therefore, I shouldn't be an investor now. And the, this this is all fool's gold. It It is not predictive of anything. So we are opining on what we think the market's going to do between now and the end of the year. But if you're wondering about what your specific action should be or or how should you respond, I would tell you to get a pair of earplugs and put it in, <laughs> put them in, and even, even put some blinders on and look at your specific financial goals, work with your planner, make sure it's a certified financial planner, mm-hmm. but work with your planner, make sure your, plan, your certified financial planner is working with your tax planner. But make sure your investment structure is correct, no matter what the market does. Because we know for sure the market is either going to go up or down in the second half of the year. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think it could do both. Now, that's a perfect segue. (laughs) It's a perfect segue into, all right, so what should you be doing about it? But I just, I feel the need, especially since you told people to stop listening to us, put in earplugs, give me a break, Kevin. Um, I feel the need to just point out that I, I do think the ups and downs, we didn't see a lot of those the first half of the year, folks. You're investors. It's time to manage your emotions. I think it's going to happen more the second half of the year. We're going to see more volatility, I believe. So get prepared for it and decide now, all right, are you going to let your emotions drive you into making some decisions or not? Right. So how do you get prepared? One of the things that happens when things are running strong in the investment world is you get certain pockets of your portfolio that grow faster than others and they get to be a bigger size, a bigger portion of the portfolio. And so one of the most disciplined things that you can do is begin to rebalance your portfolio. Maybe take some of the gains off of your clear winners and buy into the stuff that is seemingly more on sale. It's cheaper right now. That is so hard to do. If you're not putting that on autopilot and have it set up where it's happening systematically, 
it's going to be so hard for you to pull the trigger on that because you're selling what's done well, aka the things you like, and you're buying the things that haven't done well, aka the things you don't like. Yeah, it's counterintuitive, right? And, and that could be an action item for uh, for someone who is a 401k investor is to go into your 401k online and see do they have a monthly, a quarterly, semi-annual, annual rebalance feature that you could be taking advantage of. Yep. I just did that for some folks uh, earlier this week. Set it up where it happens every six months automatically. They don't need to do anything. We don't need to do anything. We're just scratching the surface on what you should be doing with this information, folks. What should you be doing with your investments to capitalize on whatever the market delivers in the second half of the year? We've got that. And then we've got a great question from Doug, who's sent a question before about the F-26 program. We've got a lot here to cover. Coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike, next to Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies for sponsoring the content of the Wise Money Show, as well as Diane Bennett with REMAX 100. Uh, We've been talking about what the stock market's done so far this year, and we're starting to talk about, well, then, what do you need to do for the second half of the year? If you have a question, reach out to us, 574-222-2000 or wisemoneyradio.com. If you've missed anything or want to catch up on previous episodes, you can do do so in two ways. Go to wisemoneyradio.com. They're right there. Or check out the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, all that sort of stuff. Search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right. So we've talked about what the stock market has done so far this year, why it's done that, and then a little bit of how do we think the market's going to perform in the second half, we're boiling it down to action items. We left off, Josh, with you saying, now's a great time to rebalance. Certain areas have grown more than others. Great time to be disciplined and rebalance. That's right. Do you guys remember back in your elementary school days when every so often on a bright, sunshiny day, they would run these like tornado drills or fire drills, that kind of thing? And I, I feel like uh, right now, we're in a stretch where the markets, the, the investment world has been given all sunshiny days, and that's exactly when you get ready for the next storm, Sure, mm. right? This, this is a time where, at least mentally, I would encourage you to do the fire drill or do the tornado drill. How are you going to behave the next time that the market has a big pullback? Because we know it's coming at some point, and this is not a prediction of when. I'm not even claiming that it's going to happen in the second half of this year. But we know that it's coming eventually. On average, every five to seven years, there's at least a 20% pullback in the stock market. We Mm. call it a bear market. It's a normal thing. It freaks people out every single time, but mostly because we kind of get lulled to sleep the further into a nice, strong stretch in in the market. And you start thinking, well, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how investing is supposed to be. It's supposed to be positive returns every year, just kind of straight up and to the right. And no, actually, there's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, if you could think that in every five-year stretch, there's going to be one or two bad years, and you were just geared towards that, so you weren't surprised or disappointed when that happened, then you'd be a much 
happier investor. You know, if you could see me right now, I'm smiling at Kevin because one of his favorite charts that we like to look at together, it, I wouldn't even say every two out of five years, it's embedded in every year. There's a bad pocket. There's this chart that shows here's what the annual performance was for each year going back into the 80s. But within that year, here's the greatest percent drop. Usually, folks, it's like 10% or 19%. Even though the year was positive, within the year, you can see some serious volatility. So I think that's what Josh is saying. Brace yourself and decide now, what are you going to do? Well, that's exactly right, because this time around, I'm assuming that your portfolio is bigger than the last time that we went through a major storm in the markets, right? Mm, So a 20 or a 30% drop when you're at half a million dollars is bigger money that you're going to see a decline in than than back in the days when you had 200,000 accumulated. Mm -hmm. So getting yourself mentally prepared, what are your action items going to be when you hit crisis mode in, in the investment world? Are you going to be someone who responds and says, hey, we're scraping together all available cash and we're going on a buying spree because things are finally on sale again after seven or eight years of steady climbing? Or are you going to be someone who just says, you know what, um, uh, batting down the hatches, we're just going to ride through this, we're not going to make any changes? At the very least, I want you to commit to yourself and maybe to your spouse, we're not going to panic, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to be one of the, the, the investors out there who jump ship right as we get to the worst part in the storm. And in doing so, they set themselves up to never fully recover and maybe never fully reach their financial oh, goals. Oh, I was just going to say that. Dang it, Josh. Sorry. You always take Sorry, the great mind. words, <laughs> the, the wise words right out of my mouth. Your investment plan is just one area of your entire financial life. There are six areas. You know this, folks. There's six areas to your financial life. And when done well, they're all interconnected and there's synergy. So what Josh is talking about, if you make some very quick knee-jerk and maybe mistakes in your investment planning, that's going to impact what you're able to do with your retirement goal, your college goal, possibly your cash flow. You might need to save more later, right? Mm -hmm. Insurance and all of this and tax planning for sure. So the decisions that you make in your investment plan have a ripple effect throughout your financial life. But remember, folks, it's not just about optimal, optimal investment return. You're investing to reach those goals that you yes. set in the other parts of your financial Absolutely. life. Did I just take the wise word yes. coming out of your Yes. You, you've, uh, you've paid me back. Touche. That's right. The, the whole point here is that you are investing as part of an overall game plan, yeah. as you said. And are you taking the right level of risk? Sometimes we start letting the risk level drift higher and higher and higher as we get further into those good times in the market because our perceived feelings of, uh, of risk or of danger they, they start to um, get kind of played down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And, and we forget what a 30% drop in the market actually feels like, right? Yeah, yeah. So here at KFG, well, so number one, I would tell you right now, if you're thinking, okay, that, that sounds good. How do I get help with that? Seek out a certified financial planner, okay? They are individuals who are what's called fiduciaries, gesundheit, fiduciaries. So they're (laughs) obligated to do what's in your best interest or not obligated. They pledge to do what's in your best interest. And they will take a disciplined approach to help you get the right investment philosophy that's not based on emotion, but based on evidence and based on your goals. We have a philosophy like that at Corhorn Financial Group. And I want to spend just a moment explaining a little bit of that 
so that you know um, what kind of potential investment strategies or philosophies are out there. Yeah, so in the contrast is between being emotional and listening to what's happening in Washington and that's how I make my decisions as it relates to my investment portfolio or having principal investment a principled investment approach. Yep. So you're looking at research-based investing principles that are guiding you, not your emotions. That's right. That's and, right. And so w- when you do that here at, at Corhorn Financial Group, we have three different strategies that we employ to help people reach their financial goals. And it's totally tailored to where you are, where you want to go, what the size of your portfolio is, a number of different things. But real quick, I'll just mention the three strategies that we use. The first strategy is the strategic uh, portfolio, and that is basically a buy and hold with a quarterly rebalance. So whatever my mix should be, if it's 60% stocks, 40% bonds, that's what I'm doing. And it's, it's, it's really the accumulate wealth the old-fashioned way, nothing nothing fancy, nothing glitzy. But for most people, if they will save the right amount of money over the right amount of time and they use the strategic portfolio, they can get most of where they want to go. And once you've got the right amount or the, the right area of your investments invest in the strategic portfolio, you look at the other two uh, possible approaches. One is our dynamic strategy, and I would think the idea is is really more of an advance and protect, although that doesn't describe it perfectly. But you have you you are leaning into the sectors of the portfolio that, or the the stock market, if you will, that are doing well. So yep. our dynamic strategy has been leaning into technology all year this year, and technology is up seventeen percent. So that's uh, even uh, a, a blind nut hits a squirrel every now and then. So, um, and then the other uh, is um, the tactical, and that is where the portfolio managers are really given enough rope to hang themselves, if you will. They're 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 looking for the the fat pitch. We're right in the middle of baseball season, so they're looking for where are there significant opportunities and how do I lean the portfolio in to take advantage of those. The point with all of that, though, is at the core, a certified financial planner should believe in diversification, and we certainly do here. And so the point with those three strategies is diversification on top of diversification in order to really... Um, manage through the good times and those storms Josh was talking about. If you've got a philosophy that you trust that's based on research and evidence, then you're not, you're more likely to not overreact the next time that storm comes. That's exactly why we have that sort of strategy. Listener Doug, fan of the show, sent in a great question. He called in with a great question, kind of looking for that needle in the haystack investment strategy that most of us are out there looking for as well. We're going to address that question and our concerns about it coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory, alongside Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything, once again, I'll point you to wisemoneyradio.com. You can catch up on all the previous episodes right there, as well as on iTunes and Google Play. It's got all the podcasts right there. You can even uh, list a question, submit a question to us right there on the website as well. You can give us a call, 574-222-2000. Lastly, check us out, Facebook and Twitter, at Wise Money Radio. Submit a question that way, get other content. We've been working on revamping the blog. That's on its way out as well. So stay in touch, like us, follow us, and all of that. So, all right, we've been talking about the investment world, what's happened so far this year, and what your game plan should be as you move, as we move into the second half of the year. I've got two very interesting questions relating to investments here right in front of me. The first one is listener Doug, fan of the show, called in and left his question. Unfortunately, due to some glitch in the studio, we're not able to play his question for you over the air, but essentially he asked a very interesting question. Essentially, I would, I, I would distill it to this. Can you help me understand the F-22 investment program that was put in place back in 1933 by Franklin Delano Roosevelt and how and whether it's still helpful today? He asked a lot more than that, but I would just kind of distill it down to that question. That's that's interesting. So I have to confess to you, Doug. History major. (laughs) (laughs) To you, Doug. Here's what I think. I think I, I, I think most of us are looking for that needle in the haystack, that what I typically call um, the holy grail of investment. Where can I go invest money and get some promises and some high return with less risk? Is there something I don't know about? Certainly there's smart money out there that has figured this out, or maybe the government's put something in place. Doug, I will confess to you that I had not heard of F-26 programs. In fact, in my research, I think they're called 26F programs, okay? It's not a tool or a system that we use here at KFG. However, because you asked the question, fan of the show, we did a little bit of research, but off the bat, our our first answer would be, if this is something you're interested in, I, we would recommend that you go talk to your certified financial planner and talk, and, and they will have a meeting with them next week. They will do the research and they know your situation and say, hey, based on what, how these things operate and based on your goals and your situation, there's either alignment or there's not. Well, they may need to involve their, your CPA as well. It, yep. it may need to be a joint meeting between multiple professionals to, to get something like this right. Well, so here's my concern, though, in the little bit of research that I did, Doug. Um, I'm, I'm cautious. And I'm skeptical uh, of it because of a couple reasons. First, when I started doing the research and, and, and searching, um, I had to dig pretty deep to actually find an explanation of what these things are. And it's a very loose explanation. Basically, from what I can tell, the number 26 refers to the title 26 of the Internal Revenue Code, and the F stands for some subtitle F procedure and administration. And as I read that, truly did read the the code, it wasn't explicitly talking about an investment strategy. Okay. It was somewhat indirect. So I'm a little cautious there that there wasn't this explanation of what these things are. The second reason I'm cautious is what I found when I searched it 
predominantly were companies making very lofty claims about how your investment experience could work if you utilize this little known investment strategy, this secret. They quoted really audacious returns. And then they said, you must act quick to get into these before the Department of Labor rules change because you may not have access to them anymore. Yeah, there's a red flag I, right I, there, right? I'm skeptical when someone overpromises and make really lofty claims, and you should be too, okay? But second, this rule change that just happened, we talked about it here on the show. It's where the Department of Labor came out and said, there's been two ways to be a financial advisor up until now, starting June 8th and fully implemented January 1, all financial advisors must be fiduciaries. They must be obligated to make recommendations that they believe are in your best interest, not just buy or beware. So when these solicitors say, hurry fast before these rules change, it's almost as if they're saying, hurry and do this before I'm held to a higher standard where I won't be recommending these things to you. Yeah, I can see the lure here. It's I, I, Doug. I would call this fool's gold. I'm I'm reading one of those right now. It says 26F programs allow people to enroll with one small investment stake. They give the investors the opportunity to earn aggressive monthly income combined with huge lump sum payments. You can <laughs> potentially get paid two thousand, five thousand, even more every month for the rest of your life. Then still grab six figures in one shot, and on top of that. There are 26F programs that can operate as 100% legal tax havens. So, Doug, this is what I would encourage you to do. And you know, you know what advice I'm going to give you because that's what my dad gave me at the very beginning of my life and still gives me today. If it sounds too good to be true, it likely is. And what I like to do personally is I like to get on CNBC and watch the show American Greed. Because when people are desperate or when people are greedy, they will fall for something like this. And this violates the, the, the tenets of investing and the principles that you know. And really what everyone is hoping, which we kind of alluded to, is that there is some magic pill or there's a silver bullet that if I have underprepared in the middle part of my life, I can make it up at the end because I found the fountain of youth that no one else knew about. Yeah, you, you know, where my mind goes to also, th- there are a lot of folks out there that have the mentality that there, there may be some loopholes in the tax code out there, or some kind of dark shadowy corners in the tax code that you can go operate in and, you know, not be scrutinized by the IRS, that sort of thing. And to, to me, when it comes to investments, you want your investments in uh, the types of vehicles that are heavily scrutinized, that are heavily regulated, they're watched. Things like mutual funds, where you know they're they're governed by the SEC, they're um, th- they're watched very closely. There are safeguards in place that when someone else is taking possession of your money, they're they're taking custody of your dollars. That there are watchdogs making sure that they're playing by all the rules. And you know, a 26F plan may sound like, hey, this is kind of wild, wild west. I can, I can go out there and, and invest a little differently. Um, my question is, would you really want to? Mm. You know, or, or are you potentially getting yourself exposed to um, maybe some areas that are less regulated, less watched, and therefore you're more vulnerable? 
So our advice to you, Doug, is to call your certified financial planner and schedule an appointment and discuss your ideas and discuss this opportunity with him or her and see if this is really something that makes sense for you. But from our uh, professional perspective, we would decline to get involved with such a program. Thanks for the question, Doug. Thanks for your listenership. We've got a great question from Elaine. She's 64. I've already retired. My husband is looking to retire in the next year or so. At this point in our lives, I just don't think we can go through all the ups and downs of the stock market. Do you think now is a good time for us to get out? I feel like this is a normal feeling that a lot of people, as they're getting close to retirement, they're just about to take, you know, to to reach out and grab the prize of retirement. And the fear is that all the hard work that has gotten them ready, what if it all comes crashing down because the investment world doesn't cooperate with their timeline, Mm -hmm. right? And so the tendency is to get real conservative right on the eve of retirement and not recognize that you know what? Retirement is not really the finish line. It's the start of a new phase of life. And that phase of life is going to be measured in decades, not years. You still have a long-term investment horizon, even day one of retirement, even the day before retirement, you need to still be growth oriented with your investments. Yeah, I completely agree. And you said it once again, as always, better than better than I would, because the point is, now isn't the time to just get in cash, but now is the time to revamp your investment strategy to finish the race. I mean, you're ha- you, you've gone up the mountain, you still need to come down. You're halfway through this journey. And if you lock it up, lock your investments up in no growth, no risk investments, I think it's going to be really tough to get down that mountain. Sit down, just like we mentioned with Doug. Elaine, your answer is sit down with your certified financial planner to talk through both your fears and this question, but also what your long-term investment approach should be to get you from today out as long as you need to. So thanks for the question, Doug and Elaine. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being with us. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and myself, and the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. See you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.